Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Okay, guys, this is a very, very exciting episode of the snooze button. I have Danielle with me. Danielle, I I would intro you, but I think I always say this when I have guests, you will do a better job. Me, you are a friendship coach and educator. You're also the first person I've had on this podcast that I found through another podcast and was like, this is amazing. I didn't know this was a job. This woman is so smart and interesting. So thank you so much for coming on. Such a privilege. No, oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I always think it's important when and, and an honor when people carve time out on their platform to have this conversation. So I, I appreciate you for that. Um, so I am a friendship coach and educator. And that means that if a person is having an issue at any point of their friendships, I'm equipped to help them through it. So whether it's how to position themselves to make friends, whether it's how to gracefully terminate friendships, navigate tricky issues. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for about six years now. I started as a high school teacher and now I leverage my background in education to study what the research has to say about women's cooperation, conflict, and communication. And now I get to do really cool things like travel to speak to universities and sororities and, and you know, different hospitals and surgeons associations. And what it's showing wow. me is that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, if you're an awkward college student or a successful middle-aged entrepreneur, we're all out here trying to figure out how to better relate to other women. And so it feels uh, like a, a privilege to be able to do work that I think is so important. It's so important. And it's really cool that you've like found this niche that, I mean, I, I'm imagining people are going to just keep discovering you and being like, this is a great idea. I want to do that. And you've like cornered the market because I don't know anyone else who has this expertise, which is pretty cool. You're kind of like on your island. Um and I guess being a teacher, I mean, high school girls talk about drama, right? So was that the catalyst that led you to leave educate, you know, traditional education and, and pursue this? Or like what, what made you make that shift or had that like aha moment to do this? Yeah, people will often ask, like, how do you even get into that? And I always joke that, like, it certainly wasn't on my vision board when I was nine. Like, I'm going to be a friendship coach. But uh, I, I happened upon it. And I think it's so cool how God has kind of orchestrated things to, to work this out. So I, you know, I was teaching high school juniors and seniors. So they're young adults, you know. And I didn't realize at the time that I was kind of unofficially coaching them through their friendship issues when they were venting between classes or they came to me after school in like a big sisterly way. And so I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. And so after six years of, of being in the classroom and, and working as an academic chair at the school um, and in the county, um, I left uh, because education is kind of crazy. The classroom's crazy right now. And I got into public relations. I made the foolish mistake of thinking, oh, well, now that I'm working with sophisticated, high-achieving adults, I won't have to deal with that that drama, mm, you know. And wrong. I should discover, like, we have our yeah, yeah, we have our issues too. And so, long story short, I went home one day after talking to a client, and I I looked on Amazon friendship books, and at the time there weren't many results, and of the few results that did show, they were all for children. And I thought, this is what we think of friendship that surely a child would need some guidance, but adults should have it figured out. And so since then, I study what the research has to say about women's relationships. And I try to take that research and put it into tangible strategies for women who want to know tangibly what to do to have healthy platonic relationships. That's really interesting. And you make such a good point that I do think friendship is one of those things that 
you do feel like, you know, you learn when you're five how to share, you know, you, you're nice to people, whatever, and you do assume that it's just easy. And I remember when I listened to your episode with Sarah and Aaron Foster, you talked about that, how people feel like they shouldn't have to put in an effort. Um, and I was like, yeah. wow, that's a really good point because the relationships I even have, I'm thinking of my friends, the ones where mutually there's a lot of effort being put in to see them, to catch up, to whatever. Those are the ones that flourish, right? But I think a lot of people just assume like, well, I'm a nice person. People will just show up and I'll just have great friendships. And that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. And I think we know that intellectually, like, oh, you've got to work at the things you care for. It's another thing entirely to like actually do it. I was reading this book by Christy Tate. It's her new book called BFF. And she makes a comment in there that we believe that friendship is a garden that tends itself. So we expect to have to navigate conflict with a spouse and have to, you know, do better on our performance review at work. Like we know that other things take take work. We're reading parenting books to learn how to get our babies good sleep. Like we're doing all the things, but for friendship, we think, well, that should be something that comes naturally. Like why, like, how do you have issues with your friends? Like just be friends. But we realize like, oh, those are relationships and relationships (laughs) require work. So, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons I think this episode is going to be so important and interesting to my audience is their moms, right? And I do think that sometimes moving from being childless to having kids is an aha moment for women in the friendship game, because you might have gone from like college, you're just in your sorority and you're in your dorm. It is kind of easy, right? And maybe you're out of college, you're just going out to bars and hanging out. And it's when you're suddenly somewhat like isolated with a child and maybe you're in a new place, you know, or in a new piece of your world, like maybe none of your friends have kids, that this comes to the forefront. So I mean, I did ask listeners to send in questions and I, I cherry picked a few that were different topics. Um, and I have to tell you that I don't usually get a lot of people sending me the their questions via email. It's usually just an Instagram. But for you, they were like all email. They were like long ones, all about their friendship issues. Um, and so many of them had to do with making new friends when you're a mom, a lot moving to a new place, right? Because a lot of people are like living in a city and they move to the suburbs um, or feeling like they're the first of their friends to have kids and they don't know how to like branch out and, and do that. So, I mean, like high level, what tips would you have for a mom who's in a new place or just doesn't have any friends who have kids to make those mom friends initially? Yeah, first I would acknowledge like that transition is so hard. It's so hard because we don't really see people make the transition. We don't really have a lot of models. We just see like women with friends and women without, but like, how do we get from one place to another? So the first thing I want to say is if you're a mom listening and you feel overwhelmed, it almost feels laughable to you to find extra time and extra energy to be like hanging out with women and reconnecting. Like you are not alone. It is hard. Your kids need you on every level. It's like, we have to be mentally available. Psychologically, we're trying to like keep them alive. Like it's a lot. It it takes up so much space that we feel like, is this even possible for me? Is it too late? The first mental things that I want to address is one, if you feel, a lot of us get FOMO. We start to feel like we're isolated with our babies in this world and life is still going on. Friends are still hanging out. People are taking vacations. They're forgetting about us. The first thing I want to say is it's not too late. You're not falling behind. Your kids need you in this season. And it's still possible to have friendships during the hard stages of motherhood, which we'll talk about in just a second. So if you're being driven right now or immobilized by the fear that you are falling behind or people are forgetting about you, it's not true. The second thing is you need to get comfortable pursuing 
friendships in the season. A lot of us are discouraged because we're like, why isn't this happening for me? Why are the invitations dying down? People aren't including me. What's happening? You can be intentional about friendship, but the challenge might be you need to rethink how friendship looks because it's not going to look the same anymore. Friendship will no longer look the same for you once you have kids. I hope that's not discouraging. I hope it makes us like, okay, all right, I can do this. How do I figure out how to do friendship on this new landscape? So maybe friendship used to look like hours long brunches, hours long hangouts at night. And we yearn for that and we grieve like, man, how can I have that again? I don't have time for that anymore. You can very much still have friendship. It's going to come in a different container. Maybe now it looks like I'm having a 30 minute catch up on the phone with my friend while I do laundry. Maybe it looks like she's coming over and she's having some wine while I breastfeed and we chat for a little bit. And that's how I got connected (laughs) to her. Maybe it looks like, you know, every three months, I get to go on a trip with my friends and I, I trust my partner to have the baby and, and I've left him everything he needs right. and I know that he's willing, competent, and able. You know, so it's gonna look different, but don't be discouraged by the fact that it looks different for you. Let's just kind of get curious about how we can make it happen with these new variables that are in place. Um, because you do, you absolutely do need community with you while you are are immersed in mom life. You need people to help you through that. You totally do. It makes such a difference to have people. I I always tell clients too who have young babies, try to find people who have a baby the exact same age as yours because it's really nice to be able to just commiserate about stuff, you know, and that can be, I find that can be a great way to bond with people you don't know as well. If you have that in common, you both have a six month old who's starting solids or whatever it is. It's an easy thing to talk about and get the conversation flowing and see if this could be someone you can have a friendship with. Great. Um, so a lot of the questions that I got to had had to deal with differences in friend in friends once you are in this new mom space. So maybe you had a ton in common when you were just out going to bars and whatever, but now all of a sudden, like you want your kid to be vegan and you are like all their things are organic and your friend is like feeding them Cheetos and soda, or you just start to realize like, whoa, we're going to be doing this parenting thing very differently. Um and in, other questions had to do with, you know, even like some of the friends in my my group have kids and some don't. And I feel like we're always talking about kids and we're leaving them out. So I guess, how do you make that shift when the things that used to kind of tie you together with friends no longer do, but maybe you want to maintain those friendships? Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so real. That's such a pain point. The first thing right. I would say is the, the very first immediate thing you can do is starting from this moment forward, whenever you find yourself noticing a difference and going straight to the thought of like, I don't even know who she is anymore. I can't be friends with a person like that. I'm going to ask you to pause. (laughs) I'm going to ask you to pause. We all do it. I'm going to ask you to pause for just a second. Because what we do sometimes is we make it a character thing, these differences, and then it becomes hard to reconcile with someone who we see as so unlike us. And so before we go straight to like, oh, whoa, whoa, I guess we're not as close as I thought. This is different. I don't know. Get curious. Okay. So the first thing I need you to do when you notice like, how is she feeding her kids soda? Because I'm going through that now with a a friend who she confided in something in me about something she does with her kids. And I think it's just like, so obviously not okay. Okay. Like, so obviously. So here here are my options. It's very tempting to go straight to like, is she serious? Like. 
how could she think that? Like, how could she think that? You know, how could she believe that? And I might launch into trying to uh, persuade her otherwise, right? I might launch into thinking like, oh, we're totally different. Like, she must value these things. She must value these things. And I don't value those things. It's very tempting to go there. I need you to remind yourself this person on a lot of levels is the same person I became friends with. She loves her baby. She wants her baby to be safe too. She's trying to figure out. But I think what happens is we're on Google trying to figure out the right way to parent. And once we make our selections, it's hard to also hold space for a mom who made different selections. It's very hard totally. because it makes you, it disrupts your reality. Like if I think that this is the right way to do something and all the research might back it up, that's the right way to get your baby to sleep. But my friend is doing all the things that I've been told are the wrong things. How can I remind myself, hold on a second. She cares about her baby too. She wants her baby to get good sleep too. She, she keeps her baby safe too. Okay. All right. And so how can I pause myself from making character extrapolations from the choice that she made about her baby's diet? That's the first thing. But I understand because I know it's easier said than done because for women, it's really important for us to feel like we're the same. And I'm not trying to be reductive. Like, of course, you don't need a carbon copy friend, but it's important to us to feel that symmetry in female friendships. So I need you to catch yourself before you make big jumps from, I can't believe she made this choice for her life. It must mean we're so different. The friendship must be over. That's the first thing with mob friends. Okay. The second, and catch yourself when you're judgy. Judgment doesn't, doesn't um, only look like I can't believe you feed your baby soda. It looks like starting to distance from her because we can't believe she made that choice. It looks like right. starting to persuade her to totally. think like I think. If only she could see the right path. So that's making a judgment. Yeah. How can I hold space for she does things her way? Maybe I do inform her, but when it looks like she's pretty resolute in her decision, okay, all right. And does that affect our friendship? Okay, so there's that. Right. When it comes to having friends who don't have kids, and we realized, God, I don't know if I can ever be the same person again. Like, I'm different. I, it's, this has changed my world, motherhood. Totally. I'm going to ask you to give your friendship grace. You guys have never been friends this way before. This is new to you both. Right. You've never done this before. So how can we do this? Okay. As opposed to, man, she just doesn't get mom stuff. Like, she doesn't get it. She doesn't respect it. Totally. Going she doesn't through. get it. She yeah. doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't get it. And sometimes we do it from a noble place. You know, I don't want to bore her with baby right. stuff. Like, she doesn't even get it. Okay. She's thinking the same thing. Oh, she's got baby stuff going on. I'm not going to like bore her about my date last night. So a lot of us are making assumptions about the other from a noble place, but it creates separation. It creates separation. She won't be interested. She won't understand. It's okay to call it out. Okay. I don't understand this whole baby thing. You know, I know you got, you know, your mom friends now, but you know, I want us to like still do our Friday morning check-ins. Can we still do that? Is that, a, is that possible with the baby? How do we need to change that? Right. Sometimes just announcing man, things are changing, but like, I don't want us to lose us. What can we do? Sometimes just articulating it is like, okay, I feel the same way. It gives us permission to now mutually be intentional about staying connected instead of having separation because we're scared and we're making assumptions about what she wants to do in her capacity. So those are some of the things to kind of like keep it going. And the last thing I'll say is with non or or child-free friends is don't forget who you were outside of kids. Help her understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. But 100% of the conversation can't be being mommy. I'm sorry. Her job right. is to remind you of who you are outside of motherhood. Who else are you? You might be like a firecracker, sexy siren. You might be the life right. of the party. Like who else? Who else are you? 
and allow your friends to remind you of who you are while also helping them understand this new side of you. Uh, but, but honest to God, I know I'm saying a lot of things. The summary would be articulate how, how you feel, express a desire to remain connected and give your friendship some grace. You guys have never done this before. And it's okay to yeah. say, let's figure out how to stay friends with everything looking so new. Totally. And I think, I mean, that was speaking a lot to like, maybe you passing, you know, you being the mom passing judgment on a friend for their different choices, that type of thing. But I feel like what you're saying goes the opposite way too. So if, if a friend is judging you for something, right. Cause I think parenting in general is a very sensitive thing, right. And people do love once they find their thing, they're like, Oh, you, you must not have known about this. I'm going to tell you all about it. So if you have a friend who's bragging, her kid can already walk, her kid can da, 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 Mm -hmm. or you're doing that. I can't believe like, I think it's the same thing, right? You can find a way to respond. Well, you tell me, but find a way to respond where you're not not getting defensive, but maybe changing the topic. Like maybe we're not going to go into the whole feeding thing because that's something where we do differently. And let's talk, let's keep the topics on sleep because we agree on that or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally okay to be like, you know, after you engage in some discussion, a little back and forth, if it's like, okay, I feel like she's still pushing, like she doesn't respect my choice. It's okay to say, okay, girl, at the end of the day, I know we both just want our babies to, to have good sleep. Okay. I think we're just going to have to like stop her right there. Okay. You know, like it can be playful. You know, sometimes some of the boundary talk is so, you know, strict and stern and stoic and some boundaries call for that, but it's okay to playfully be like, okay, girl. Okay. We're on the same page. We both love our babies. We want them to sleep so we can get our beauty rest. Can we agree on that? All right. Maybe we shouldn't touch that one anymore. Ha ha ha. Like it, yeah. it's a joke, but the subtext is let's move on. Cause I'm starting to feel some kind of way. Yep, totally. And I think we've all been in that in that place. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, another like common thread that came up. And I know this, I feel like this, this one is surprising potentially as an adult, because you think of like, toxic friends, mean girls, relational aggression. I learned that term from your podcast, relational aggression in one of your episodes. It's so good. Um, like, spotting that, like, what does it mean? How do you handle being in a friendship or a group of friends where you start to notice something's a little icky here and I don't like these vibes, you know? Oh God. Ah, so, um, it's, it's, it's something I'm like, okay, I don't know where to start with this, but I'll keep it really simple. I call it sophisticated stealth is what I call it. These are the ways that women aggress that are covert and there is an art to it and not everybody can do it. So when we were in the third grade, we used to be like, you can't sit with us. Like it was like <laughs> obvious, basic, like bully stuff. Everybody saw it. Like you could name it. Right. Right. Those of us who can be a little more sophisticated and it also requires emotional intent, uh, emotional intelligence to be able to do this really well. And I think that's why women are so good at it because it's on the same a continuum, the same radar. So the same way we can notice little shifts in a friend and we're like, no, no, you're not okay. What's going on? That same sure. skill is what you can use to hit her where it hurts in a very stealthy way. It requires the same. It's like, did set. you, have you seen that? Um, have you seen that show Daisy Jones and the six? I have not actually. Okay. Well, it's great. You should watch it, but there is a scene where one of the women in the show gets pregnant and is not happy about it. And she just looks at this other woman and they do this, like, because I, I watched the scene and I was like, this is so funny because a man would never have this. Like, they just kind of look at each other and she's like, oh, no, and like gives her a hug. 
And then it like shows them going to like a planned parenthood, but it's like, they didn't even have to talk. It's like the stealth. Yes. Anyway, it just reminded me of that. And but that's, I, okay. And I, I, first I, of all, I love that scene. I'm putting that on my to be watched list. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the same thing that's like, it's an unspoken language on the good times. It's that same antenna. It's the same antenna that lets me aggress with you in a very subtle way. And we both know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. So when you do feel something gross uh, or something icky, something feels off with a friend, you know, first check yourself. Are you hypersensitive to that because you've been wounded? So now you're hypersensitive to it, you know, check yourself. But if you're like, no, no, something's off or some weird like exclusion game playing type little thing going on, you might be right. But we often aggress in such a way where it's so vague and elusive that if somebody calls me out on it, it can be easily denied. So I might make a little comment in front of everybody. I know that you know that I'm being a little shady, but if you call me out on it, I can easily be like, wait, what are you talking about? Oh my God. No, I didn't mean like that. I didn't know you were sensitive to that. No, I no that's mean so that. mean. Yeah. So now you look like you are oversensitive and neurotic. And I look like a woman who's been falsely accused. Mm. You know, the art of, of, of sophisticated stealth is to, emotionally injure another person while maintaining your appearance of being cooperative. That is a skill and we Uh. do it very well. If you notice that is happening to you, the last thing you want to do is confront somebody in front of other people because that's the whole thing. You're going to look crazy and it can be easily denied. I think one of the ways you can do that is one-on-one talk about the tangible things that you saw. So not like, I feel like you were being jealous. I feel like you, what? No, Uh. one-on-one I'm going to say, Hey, when I came in, you made a comment um, about paying the bill, but I know that last week I confided in you that I feel a little sensitive about money stuff right now because I lost my job. Mm. I wanted to make sure like, maybe I misunderstood it. I wanted to make sure like there was no, like you weren't trying to hint at that. And if she says, oh my God, no. okay, just making sure. Because you know what you just told me as a mean girl is you recognize it and you called me on it and it makes it now it's not fun anymore. Because you know what uh, I'm doing. It's not fun anymore. Right. So a lot of the the addressing can be, you have to be explicit about like, hey, you weren't trying to reference, you know, the breakup I had last week. Okay. I just, I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I wasn't being sensitive. I wasn't sure what you meant by that comment. Okay, cool. No, we're good. Okay. I'm calling it out. Now you need to be prepared for her going and changing the narrative to other people, which is why a lot of us don't confront because she's going to tell other people, right. yeah, she just came at me. Like she just came. You have to be resolved in yourself. Right. If, if a lot of that stuff also, the last thing I'll say is uh, another thing to brace yourself against it. And I'll end with this here is uh, for relational aggression to work. A lot of it has to take place in front of witnesses. That's the whole thing. So if you have to remove yourself from group stuff, that's where it thrives. So I know that sucks, mm. but a lot of it thrives with having other people around, making you look bad in front of other people, bringing other people into gossip. It requires a third party. So if you right. find that like, oh, I need to take myself out of group situations and do some one-on-one so it can't really live there, then do that too. But no, you're not crazy. Yes, that thing may have been kind of shady. If you confront and they say, oh, no, I didn't mean it like that, and you don't believe it, you called it out, so that's good. But don't live in places where you don't have trust. Like at the end of the day, if you find yourself constantly questioning if a friend has your best intentions at heart, at the end of the day, you probably don't need to be in that space because as a tired mama, you don't have enough time to dedicate mental, emotional, and psychological resources to constantly wondering if what she was saying was true or fake. It's too much. 
at the end of oh the day, gosh. you need to take yourself out of spaces where you can't relax and know with certainty, this person has my best interests at heart. It's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, everything you said was so interesting, but the last point about like, if you find yourself in that situation, you do not have time for that, right? If, if you're going back to this situation over and over again and having those issues. Um, and that actually brought me to my next question, which was about time, because as a mom, especially if you're a mom with multiple little kids, or if you're a brand new mom who's navigating this for the first time, it can be hard to find time both to build new relationships and to maintain the ones you have. So I did get a lot of questions about both finding time for friends in person when you're really busy and you don't have the hours you used to, you didn't have your free weekends, but also staying in touch with close friends who are at other, you know, I think these days so many of us moved to, I'm a, I'm a great example um, of someone who moved across the country. So great ways to like nurture those relationships when you can't see them, you know, maybe you can't even see them every year. You see them every few years. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough. Um, so a couple things of finding find, uh, extra hours in the day. I think one misconception is we're looking for additional hours. We need to start learning how to stack the hours we already have. Cause there ain't, there ain't no extra hours. I checked so you can stop. There's no more hours. You've got them all. Okay. So how can you maximize the hours you've already got, like stacking things you need to do and doing them all at the same time? You walk that baby in the park every afternoon to put him to sleep. Can my friend come and chat with me on my afternoon walk with my baby? Because I got to do that every day at 12. Can you come hang with me and walk with me? I'm going to pause here and digress for a second. If you feel like, well, I can't do that. That's not fun enough. I need you to reevaluate the friends in your life. Or I need you to reevaluate the internal pressure that you're succumbing to that everything you do needs to be a grand occasion. It can't be right now. Right. So can you be vulnerable enough to allow that to be enough? That's the social backdrop is the park. And it ain't something right. with a bunch of drinks and a bunch. We don't, you, you don't have time for that. Can you have friends that allow you to be vulnerable where you guys have stripped everything down? Can you just come walk with me? I walk the baby. So the first strategy is stack the time you already have and get comfortable being vulnerable mama who you let friends in a little bit on this messy side that doesn't have you dressed up and done up and performing. Can we, can we do that? So stack things up is the first thing. The second thing is what we said before about articulating what's going on because a lot of us we're, we're chiming in, we're trying to show we're available by putting fire and fire emojis on our friends, Instagram stories to signal I'm alive. I'm still here. Okay. To reach out to a friend, say my head is totally underwater right now. I don't even know what day it is, but I wanted to send you a message to let you know I'm thinking of you and I can't wait till I can catch my breath because I want to, to link up. I miss you. That lets other people know she's still thinking of me. I'm still top of mind. And it's kind of like a, a flare signal for you. Like, oh, I wait, she's struggling. She's underwater. You know what? I'm going over there. So articulate it. Like say the quiet part out loud. I right. miss you. I'm underwater. I, I, don't forget about me. I, but I, I, I'm just like struggling. Like saying that out loud lets people know, one, you need help. And it might give them permission to initiate with you, to take on more of it in this season because you can't. So it's okay to say that. And then the final thing is it's okay to make strict plans and commit to them. And I know that sometimes things happen, baby gets sick and we have to cancel, but it's okay to say to a friend like, Hey, I miss you. And I'm tired of just saying like, we miss each other. Can we go to the super cute sangria bar next Saturday at seven o'clock? I got an hour. I'm going to arrange for my mom to be with the baby. I'm going to give the baby everything she needs. And I'm going to meet you next Saturday at seven. 
because it, you know, it lets her know, wow, you care enough to coordinate all that to make sure you can see me and you're committing to a time and a place. It keeps you accountable. It keeps her accountable. She's less likely to cancel because you said, this is important to me. Look at all I'm doing to make this happen. You're letting your mama know so she can make next Saturday free, but you have to throw in some rigid, stiff, intentional times when you can, because you need that time. And depending on your kid's age, they need to see you model friendship. A lot of us, are, we feel guilty about that. Like, oh, I don't Great like, point. my kids need me. Yeah, they do. But they also need to see mom be like, all right, baby, you're with dada. Mama's going to go see your friends. I'll be, I'll be back to tuck you in. And hopefully you have a partner who encourages you to go see your girls because he knows you need that instead of guilting you because he doesn't know what to do. So you have to stay. And that's a whole other topic. Right. But I know that that's a very real factor (laughs) of us feeling free to go and and to be with our friends because we need that. Totally. Um, I think that's a really, really good point is having the, because I was thinking as you were saying that how easy it is. And for people, I'm thinking of myself, like even people I really want to see, it's so easy to be like, yeah, let's let's do something soon. And then it's like three months goes by and you're like, oh God, I actually haven't, like we haven't done anything. And I totally said I would hang out with her. Um, so having a concrete, yeah. like, let's do something on Sunday makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah. The um, date, time, and duration. I think it's, that's one that we don't often include, but I've found that it makes people more inclined to say yes. If you say, hey, can we meet at seven for like an hour? Like literally an hour, I'm getting the sitter for an hour. But like people tend to go, okay, I can commit to an hour. But when we're like, you right. want to hang out Saturday? You f- we're like, okay, what time? How long are we doing Like the this? whole no, night? Yeah. All night. Yeah, like I don't, I'm not trying to do this all night long. It's weird. Introverts don't know how long to charge their social battery. Like, ah, if you're an hour, oh, I can do an hour. Now, once you get there, things are flowing, you're having a good time, you can ask, hey, I know we said an hour, but I can actually do, you know, another mocktail. Are you down? Yeah, you know, right. But, but an hour. Um, and, and that's how you kind of, that's how you can find a way to, to get it done and make it happen. I love that. I'm going to practice that myself. Um, <laughs> One other thing that like a question sparked from all this is you mentioned like the fire emojis on social media. I feel like social media, we talk so much about this being toxic for kids. And I'm now at the mom stage where my kids who are my son's age, he's almost six, are starting to talk about like, when do we give kids phones? How long are we going to have to wait? We're scared of them being on TikTok, whatever. Um, But we don't talk a lot about the potentially the negative implications for adults too. So how do you feel like social media plays in? either positively, I mean, I'm thinking of like uh, long distance friendships. It can be really nice to stay up to date with what your friends are doing when you can't talk every day on the phone, but also the negative um, connotations, the FOMO, the, you know, oh, they were hanging out without me, da, 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 that so many people feel too. Like, what are your your takeaways on that and managing social media use for your own mental health? Yeah, totally. Um, the first thing I'll say about social media in general, in terms of how it fits into friendship, is it should be a supplement. It is not a substitute. I know it will get us through a season. A friend is long distance, or we're we've got a, a baby who's three weeks old, and it's it's all we've got right now. Okay, that should be temporary. It is a supplement to your friendships. It is not friendship. Okay, that's the first thing, and I'll stand by that. Before I was like, I don't want to be very unequivocal on that. Like, that's I'm standing by it. Okay. The second thing I'll say is. You have to know yourself if you know that you get really bothered by seeing other people's mommy content. Like you love your friend, but like, but who she is online, because they're different sometimes. We know our friend right. and we see like online persona. If you love your girl, 
but her posts do something to you. It make you feel some kind of way. <laughs> it is okay to mute. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm going to say totally. it is okay to mute. It's okay. If that's going to make you ruminate all day, feel bad about what you're doing. If it makes you mad because you're like, oh my God, this is so not her and you can't get over that. Know yourself. Use that mute button if you have to. Okay. The second thing is mm-hmm. online is not real. I, was, I used to say it's not real life, but it's not all of what real life is because we do show up as our real selves in right. certain ways. It's not all of real life. Okay. So have some messages prepared to tell yourself to keep yourself reasonable and grounded. You see two friends hanging out without you. They didn't invite you. I did a whole TikTok on that recently. It went like totally viral, millions of views. It was like insane. But I was listing Ooh, 10 I need to check it out. Maybe, you maybe didn't get it. Yeah. 10 reasons you maybe didn't get invited. It is not always personal. They might be like, you have a three week old. We're not going to bother you, but are you serious? We're not going to ask you to come out. We wouldn't do that to you. Now you might argue, but still ask, but I'm just here to let you know their reason for maybe why they did it. Right. You know, how can you use the feeling you have in a productive way? You see two friends hanging out and you think, why didn't they invite me? Okay. Do you need to do something to give yourself some reassurance? Reach out to them in real life. Hey, I saw you guys went to that wine bar. I've I've been wanting to check out that place. Next time you go, you got to let me know. Have some authority, have some power instead of what does this mean? They don't like me. What are you feeding yourself? Okay. The second thing is people need one-on-one time. You're going to see mama's going out and they didn't invite you. It's not always because you suck. It's because she was down the street and our babies were awake at the same time. And we were like, do you want to go have a moment? Okay. So we've got to depersonalize. And if it does stir something, what productive action can you take from the feeling? And you know best what that is. But the ruminating, the internalizing, the assumptions they don't like me, they're fake friends. They're not supportive. They're excluding me. All of that. (laughs) It's like all the conclusions you jump to in two seconds. Everyone hates me. It's terrible. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I've got to catch myself. Just ask yourself, wait, this is not helpful to me. I need to take a time out. I mean, something I'm currently today working on is scrolling in my downtime because it sends me and I see a thing and now it's on my mind and I'm playing with my kids, but I had a minute. So I scroll because we're in our home. We're big on, we do not have the phones around with the kids. That's just our thing. I don't want my kids to look up and I'm always on the phone, but in the moments I'm like in another room and I sneak a peek and I'm scrolling, it is not helpful and I can't be present. I'm not present when I have a moment, I check the phone. So you have to know your own relationship with social media. What is it doing to you? And the last thing I'll say is there's something known as digital body language, which means in person, like if I cross my eye, you know, cross my arms and roll my eyes, you're like, okay, she's annoyed. There's something that happens on digital platforms as well. So if you text a friend, but she takes too long to text you back, that's a part of digital body language. The length of time between messages, you're going to deduct from things from that. Oh, she doesn't care about me. Oh, she's not as attentive. She's not as invested. Look how long it took her to write me back. Okay. Whether it's text or it's on Instagram or email, the form that you use says something. So I guess I'm saying a lot of things. My point is you have to know your relationship with social media, what it does to you, what feels good and what doesn't. But if you find yourself spiraling, making assumptions about the friendship, making assumptions about other people because of what you saw them post, you need to take a break and you need to give voice to what you're feeling to your friend so they can reassure you. Girl, what are you talking about? Yeah, we were together for like 20 minutes. We didn't have a whole hangout. Oh, okay. Right. right. That's, that's all I'm saying is know yourself, know what it does to you and respond accordingly. I love that. That's really, really good advice. Um, 
And I want to give you a chance to answer. I'll, I'll pick two of these because we actually talked, we talked a little bit about the parents versus non-parents and you had, you gave some good tips on, you know, making everyone feel included and, and keeping the kid talk to a minimum. Um, so I'll do these two. So Taylor said, one of my best friends is kind of mean, not to me, but she talks shit about our other friends. It makes me wonder what she says behind my back. And it makes me scared to cross her. She's a great friend and I love her otherwise in every way. So I'm just not sure how to handle. Ugh. I think we've all been there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's, oof, that's tough. Um, a there is something things. about a friend who talks about other people a lot. You oh, That's such a real thing where you're like, I wonder what they're saying about me. <laughs> totally. Totally. Now you're not going to like my first reaction because especially those of us who have conflict aversion, we're going to be like, Danielle, there's no way I could say this. I'm going to give you four options of what you can do in those moments. The first is you could playfully say, Oof, girl, well, hold on. You ain't telling them about my business. Wait, are you? Okay. All right. I'm making sure. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. But it's a wake up call for them of like, oh, right. Okay. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is they might, there. it is possible they might be telling you because they feel like you're a vault. Like you're the person that I tell things to, but I'm not right. telling things on you. They might be, but they might need you to make it plain what your takeaway is, like the message you get from when it happens for them to have an awareness. So that doesn't accuse yeah. just saying like, hold on a second. She doesn't know my stuff, right? Okay. I'm just making sure because it gives them like a, oof. okay. Yeah. I can see how she would say that. Right. Right. Um, if the gossip itself makes you uncomfortable, because sometimes we feel complicit just by listening and then we feel uncomfortable with that. You could say, um, yeah, gosh, I mean, I feel bad for her because I just, I know if people knew about my marriage stuff, I'd be like mortified. So I don't know. Without sounding self-righteous, it's just like, oh, you empathize with the subject of the gossip and then you keep it moving. Okay. Right. Or you go totally silent because gossip is only fun when people do it back. So if she's like, and then I heard that she doesn't even pay for her house. Her dad is paying for her house. Instead of like, wait, what? Yep. Oh my God. You're, you're fun at gossip too. Be unfun to gossip too. So she says that and you just go, mm. that's no fun. Your own. <laughs> you're not, yeah. You're not giving me what I need. So I just, right. I just stop because you're not fun, you know? And no so fuel you, to the fire. Yeah. And the final thing to do, which is my favorite is you say, oof, okay. Normally I'd have something to share here, a little tea to spill, but I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do better. So let me shut up. That means I'm in this with you. I totally get it. But I can't. I just I, I can't right now without sounding self righteous. Like you think you're better than right, other people. Right. So that's my way of being like, girl, I'm, I'm trying to do better. So let me hush. Okay, it's playful, but I'm showing I, I can't engage you right now. I can't. Right. Uh, but uh, the last thing I'll end with is I understand that that makes us feel kind of weird because we find ourselves measuring our words. Uh, it makes you less vulnerable. I once had a friend who was like talking about other people's homes. Like she went in her friend's house and was like, yeah, and she didn't even have this together. And I find myself not inviting her to my home. And she's, of you, course, know, and yeah. is, you know, so it's not her, but she doesn't, she really doesn't connect the dots of like, I heard you say this thing. So now I'm super self-conscious about that in front of you. And so I don't think we notice that gossip makes friends less vulnerable with you. And so, um, so I just want to validate if you're feeling like you can't share as much, that unfortunately is a consequence of a friend who gossips. Totally. And you know what I was thinking when you said that is I, I, ha I was the friend I was thinking of, a good friend of mine, who we all joke that she's like never said a mean word about anyone. And the truth is, within our group of friends, this is a, a girl from college, no one ever talks shit about her. 
because she's the one who not, she doesn't talk shit about anyone else. It's like a subconscious thing, I think, when that person's just always kind. Like people don't talk about them. You know, I think it comes back. It comes back to you in a good way if that's your yeah, if that's totally. your mo. Um, okay, I'll do my last question. Um, Caitlin said, "How can I deal with jealousy towards my best friend who can stay home with her baby?" Well, I have to go back to work so my family can have insurance and pay our mortgage. I love my husband and I love my job, but sometimes it's really hard to talk to my friends who don't have to work. I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I knew when I married my husband that I wouldn't be able to do that. But now that I'm living in it, I sometimes feel resentment towards my friends and towards my husband. Yeah, that sounds hard. God, that's so real. That's so hard. And you know what's funny? Her friend is probably writing in somewhere like... I'm so jealous of my friend who gets to work and be ambitious and I've got to be with the babies all day. So it's totally. so funny, like, you know how that works. Totally. Like, yeah. She gets to do all these things. Grass is greener. Um, yeah, totally. Um, that is so real. And I first want to applaud that person for even bringing up the issue of envy. Cause I have noticed, I talk about this stuff all day. It is the one subject we, it's so icky. We don't want to talk mm. about it, especially about ourselves. So we'll say like, I feel like my friends are jealous of me. But it's hard to admit, like, I think I'm jealous of my friend because it's such like a, oh, you're a fake friend. It's like shame. You, shame around Yeah, you experience right? that emotion. You must not be a real friend. And we've got to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the one thing I'll say about envy, which is where you wish you had something that somebody else has. The one thing I'll say about envy is take a look at what it's really revealing because it's really easy to make the other person the target. Like, look at her. Must be so nice. Must be so hold on. What's underneath that? What's underneath that is I feel like I'm, you know, being left behind. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I am unable. I don't feel secure in my abilities. There's something under that. What's underneath that? Uh, And then respond to that. But it's so easy to make that person like to see her face and identify her as the source of our issue. But she's just a representation of something else. You really yearn to be with your baby. But the extra piece that's unnecessary is like, so it must be nice. She gets to do that all day long. She's just the embodiment of what you would like to have for yourself. Now, catch yourself. If you find that uh, you're being, you make passive aggressive remarks because you haven't resolved it on the inside. So it's, it's got to go somewhere. So it's, sometimes it comes out passive aggressive remarks. Your friend says like, oh yeah, then we took a lovely walk in the park and she was just doing the cutest things. It's going to be hard not to be like, oh gosh, yeah, that must be yeah. It must be nice that you have so much, you know, time to be able to do that, you know, because it's going to, it's coming out some way. So catch yourself, catch yourself and know the difference between what is the stuff you need to own and resolve behind the scenes and what's her stuff, you know? So I think the biggest tip I can give there is work to find ways that your envy doesn't sabotage what your friends got going on and work to figure out what's underneath the envy and what's in your power. And for some friendships, if you feel comfortable, because we don't sometimes feel this in every friendship, you can say it out loud. But I know- Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is that something where you would say? Yeah. If it was like a real best friend, if you're like, hey, I just got to tell you, it makes me sad I can't do that with my baby like you can. Like, do you, would you ever do that? Yeah. And some friendships we might feel like, I don't feel like we're comfortable and love to be like, but it's okay to say, if you want to use the word jealous and envious, so that's on you. But I think it's okay to say like, oh man, it's so hard because, and I like to call it, uh, you know, um, it's okay to articulate your dilemma. I, I say like to verbalize your dilemma. So it's okay to say, gosh, 
man, I, I love that. I love that for you. I love that you guys had that walk. And I don't know, sometimes I'm so torn because I'm like, I love seeing you thrive being a mama on your afternoon walks. But um, it's also hard because I want that too. You know, like I've got to work for insurance, yeah. but, but I want that too. It's okay to, to, to honor both. That way you're not taking a side. You're not lying. You're not diluting. You're just saying to her, you're, you're putting a transparent lens on what's going on inside. I'm so torn because I love seeing you thrive on y'all's little daily walks, but it's so hard sometimes too. Cause I want that for me and my little, my little boop, you know, it's okay. Totally. And also it might give her some insights of like, oh, wow. You know, and, and sometimes it takes the power away from the envy to put it in the light. It takes the power yes. of the shame from dealing with it from growing. So just put it out there just so it doesn't eat you up. And that might be the first step. And I'm thinking too that, you know, you never know if that mom potentially is really struggling. I mean, I have friends who are stay-at-home moms and it's it's hard to be home with little kids. You know, you're a mom, you know, it's it's hard to be home with yeah. little kids all the time. And I could imagine that conversation going like, oh, yeah, if you said, listen, you got to tell me something bad about being home with her because I'm jealous. And so like, I need yeah. you to tell me about like something bad that happened. She'd be like, oh, you want to hear bad? Um, So-and-so because oh, I, I don't work, that. he checks our credit card you are lucky you have a job. Like he doesn't care if you go get a coffee. I, my husband's on me because I'm not making any money. Like it could end up in like, let's commiserate. Right. Yes, or like, I or her that. suddenly being vulnerable. Oh, I thought I, because I'm not working, I have to make it look easy. And I didn't, it's not easy. And here's why, you know, I, I find even myself, I, I don't have this person's dilemma, but that if I open up about something to somebody that I trust, it, they're like, oh yeah, me too. And it's something you're like, really you too. Um, and I think as women, we need to sometimes in a safe, with a safe person, but you know, just say what you're feeling. Sometimes it helps. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Well, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time, Danielle. Um, so where can everyone find you? Cause I am guessing that everyone's now like Googling you. They're trying to find your podcast as they're listening to this. So where are you? What's going on with you? Yeah, well, I just appreciate you creating this space to like have this conversation because, you know, I know we get onto like motherhood, motherhood, kids, and friendship is is indirectly a part of all of that. Like having social support is so important. Um, so I'm normally running my mouth over on Instagram at Danielle Byron Jackson. <laughs> but as far as like resources and the podcast, which is called the Friend Forward Podcast, all the things live at betterfemalefriendships.com. Great. Amazing. Um, and you have a book coming out at some point soon, right? So we will. I do. Yeah. It's actually sure a year away, which is so insane to say when I, you know, was blessed with that book deal, I was eight months pregnant. And when the book comes out, oh my, my baby will be two and a half. So, <laughs> wow. uh, so that's just like a little, you know, insight, but the book is tentatively titled fighting for our friendships. And I'm trying to marry two things together because I've read a lot of books and listened to podcasts where it's very um, scientific and philosophical about, you know, friendship and connection. You're like, okay, cool. But what do I do with that? Okay. And then I've read the right. books that are like nine tips for this and nine tips. And I'm like, okay, I can memorize all these tips, but like, what's going on? Like, I mean, a big picture. Big picture. So the goal yeah. is to marry both in the book. We're going to talk about the mechanics of female friendship, what brings us together, what tears us apart. And then we're going to hit you with the handbook of what to say and do to navigate what I've identified as the nine most common conflicts uh, in female friendship that I hear all the time for the past six years. And so, um, again, at betterfemalefriendships.com, women can sign up to to get on the wait list and be the first to know. And we can all read it together and have one big book club and um, and hopefully start the process toward 
toward healing, toward getting all our stuff together so we can have healthier friendships with one another. Incredible. I'm so excited to read it. I'm 100% getting on the wait list. It sounds amazing. Danielle, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate having you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.